Welcome back to the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Spratt, a writer for FootballOutsiders.com. We're almost a week three, and this episode of the podcast will do our typical Friday move of going through all of the DFS slates looking for the best plays. And as I see things, there are really two injury replacement running backs that kind of control everything going on in DFS this week. They are Jarek McKinnon, running back for the San Francisco 49ers, and Mike Davis, running back for the Carolina Panthers. I'll start with McKinnon. So both Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman are going to miss this week and probably a few more with knee injuries. And so that leaves the 49ers with McKinnon, Jeff Wilson, and probably rookie Jermichael Hasty, who I think is probably going to be promoted to the active roster later this week. But McKinnon is really the guy that I'm tapping here for the, the ground and receiving success for the team. He's sort of a prototypical Kyle Shanahan back with that sub 4-4 speed like Mostert. So kind of a similar possibility for a rags to riches story here for fantasy. And even as a third stringer, McKinnon has six targets through the first two games. So I think there's an opportunity here for a bigger workload. Maybe not as much near the goal line where traditionally Wilson has been active, but I'm still projecting McKinnon for 19.2 total touches this week against the Giants. That's the 10th most at the position. And McKinnon is just the 30th most expensive running back in DraftKings and is tied for 25th most expensive in FanDuel. So all in all, it's more than $1,000 surplus value for me in both DraftKings and FanDuel this week and is really one of my favorite plays. And it's kind of a similar case for Mike Davis. I actually have him as a bigger value as things stand now, more than 1500 in both DraftKings and FanDuel. And last week, when Christian McCaffrey went out late in the game with an ankle injury, Davis came in and had eight receptions for 74 yards while the Panthers were trying to play catch-up. He actually out-snapped the other active running back on the team, Trenton Cannon, 24 to nothing, with Cannon just sticking to his normal special teams role. And again, with this team, I think that Reggie Bonifant on the practice squad could end up promoted and could get a little bit of work. But as things stand now, I'm still projecting Davis for 22.3 total touches, fourth most at the position, kind of a Christian McCaffrey kind of workload. And I think he can handle it. He's actually five foot nine and 221 pounds. So even though you think of Davis maybe more as a special team or as a receiving back, I think he could withstand a pretty hefty workload. So he's got the fourth highest projected total touches for me for this week, but he's just the 26th most expensive running back in DraftKings and 21st most expensive in FanDuel. He does have the worst matchup on the road against the Chargers, who cut yards per carry and touchdowns per carry for running backs and cut completion percentage, receiving yards per target and touchdowns per target for running backs as well. But it's really just more of a workload play. If you, like me, believe that Davis is going to be a bell cow type of back for the Panthers in the short term, then I think that just by default, that makes him a bit of a value play here. The Panthers are actually one of my more interesting teams, and involved in that Chargers matchup may be a good stacking opportunity as well. I've been beating the Robbie Anderson drum every week, and and his prices are coming a little bit more in line with what he's done so far, but I still see him as an $1,100 surplus in DraftKings and $500 surplus in FanDuel this week. He has a 24.3% target share through the first two weeks. That's 17th highest among wide receivers. And by actual volume of, of touch of, of receptions and targets, he's seeing even a higher share because the Panthers are just throwing the ball all the time. Uh, the Chargers, again, they were kind of a really good defense and overwhelmed uh, the Chiefs offensive line last week. So I could see maybe that's how uh, the DFS sites are seeing this as, as a worse matchup than it is. But I don't think it's quite as extreme as it's shown so far. As I see things, uh, the Chargers are are fairly neutral in terms of completion percentage and yards per target to number two receivers, um, and pretty actually a little bit of a small boost for completion percentage and yards per target for deep threat receivers like Anderson is. 
Meanwhile, I think DJ Moore could be a little bit of a value too, more so in DraftKings, $1,100 surplus there, just $400 surplus in FanDuel. He's actually seen a 29.7% target share through the first two weeks. That's the fifth most among wide receivers. So Bridgewater's throwing a lot, and he's throwing a lot to those two receivers. Bridgewater too, a little bit smaller, but $800 surplus value at $5,200 in DraftKings, $500 surplus at $6,700 in FanDuel. He's 10th among all quarterbacks with 76 pass attempts so far this season. Last week, playing a difficult um, opponent in Tampa Bay in Tampa, he still went 33 for 42 with a 79% completion rate for 367 yards. Didn't throw a touchdown and had two interceptions, but could have had touchdowns with McCaffrey come scoring some of those closer in touchdowns when it could have easily been Bridgewater picking up one or two of them. So, I mean, Tampa is a really good defense. They were fourth in defensive DVOA so far this season and fourth in Dave, which factors in the preseason projections. By comparison, the Chargers are 13th and 10th in those. So I don't think this is necessarily any more difficult a test than Bridgewater faced last week when he threw the ball a ton and, and those skill position players did well in fantasy. Meanwhile, the Panthers' defense is 29th in defensive DVOA, 32nd in Dave. So it just I'm not sure it matters who their opponent is. The Panthers are probably going to fall behind and have to pass to catch up. And Bridgewater, I think, is smart enough and relatively conservative so that he won't be overwhelmed by the, the, the fierce pass rush. He can get the ball out and make his uh, at least make his skill position players viable in fantasy, even if he's a little bit less of a value for himself. Meanwhile, if you want to stack this game as a game as a whole, that actually makes a lot of sense with best Austin Eckler um, and Joshua Kelly facing the bad Panthers run defense. Not the same values because both of the, the fantasy platforms are pricing them up, but I still have Eckler as a, a small surplus value, $500 at $6,800 price in DraftKings, $200 at $7,500 in FanDuel. And Kelly, $100 surplus at $5,000 in DraftKings, $200 surplus at $5,900 in FanDuel. I'm still projecting Eckler to be the lead back in terms of target, uh, um, of terms of carry share and target share. So he'll probably be the primary beneficiary of the Panthers being the number one booster of yards per carry for running backs at 23%. But the Panthers, I think, are most notable as a defense for improving rushing touchdowns per attempt. I have him at 161% booster there, number one in football. Since the Panthers' Week 7 bye last season, they've allowed 5-2-3 one, one, three, two, two, three, two, three, and three rushing touchdowns in their last 12 games. That's actually an average of 2.5 per game, and it's seven straight games with at least two rushing touchdowns allowed. So if you're just kind of banking on this being a multi-touchdown game for their opposing running backs, Kelly actually might be the stinkier play because he's outcarried Eckler 4-1 to one in the first two games inside the five-yard line. So even though Kelly is a little bit more expensive than I'd like him to be as the number two running back, if somebody's going to score two rushing touchdowns in this game, it's probably Kelly. And if you're looking at a tournament situation where you'd be playing this stack, Kelly makes a lot of sense. And frankly, you could start both running backs and probably do fine. Okay, moving through just to some sorted other position players that I like in uh, DFS this week. Got to start that with Kyler Murray, $800 surplus in DraftKings, 600 in FanDuel. I just don't think his prices have quite caught up to the fact that Murray has really emerged as, in, in my mind, a top three true talent quarterback. So it's kind of independent of matchup with his running right now. I think he's going to be a really good fantasy option for you, and at least for now, a good value in the DFS platforms. He has a 30.9% carry share so far this season. is only one of just four quarterbacks 
over 30%. And the other ones you can probably guess, Newton's at 38.8%, Lamar Jackson 34.3%, and Josh Allen at 32.7%. And Murray's 30.9% carry share is up pretty markedly from 23.9% last year. So he just, he seems a lot more comfortable um, knowing when to throw the ball, when to tuck it and run, and is avoiding the big hits that you would, I think, have the fear of given his small stature. It's kind of a Lamar Jackson type of approach where he can run a lot without getting hit, so I think it decreases the danger of getting knocked out of these games. Definitely like him as a play this week um, at home where he's averaged 1.5 more fantasy points per game than on the road so far in his career, plus drawing that Detroit matchup, which is probably beneficial for his passing too, I have them as a booster of yards per attempt for quarterbacks by 3% and passing touchdowns per attempt by 26%. And they're the second biggest cutter of interceptions per attempt for quarterbacks as well. Meanwhile, another rushing quarterback that I like a lot this week, Cam Newton. Um, He's facing the the Raiders. He's a $500 surplus as a $6,700 price player in DraftKings, $1,000 in FanDuel. So even a better value there. Uh, the Raiders are a bit of a booster for passing, in particular passing yards and touchdowns per attempt, but I think they're also a booster in rushing scores, and that's really more the, the benefit here for Newton. Newton actually has 3.2 opportunity-adjusted rushing touchdowns so far this season. That's the most among quarterbacks, not surprisingly, but is actually third highest of all players behind just Ezekiel Elliott and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And I'm actually projecting Newton for 1.001 rushing touchdowns this week. And I'm pretty confident without actually checking it that that's, this is the first time that I've had a quarterback projected for more than one rushing touchdown, so to speak. So I think it's, it's a pretty safe bet that Newton is going to score for you this week. And that makes him a really valuable option for you in DFS and, frankly, in, in all um, fantasy leagues. He's a top five true talent guy for me very quickly now with the Patriots. Moving on to some running backs that I like this week, Melvin Gordon of the Broncos. I have him at a little bit over $1,000 surplus in both DraftKings and FanDuel. And that's happening um, even though the matchup is very difficult. Tampa Bay was the number one DVOA run defense last year. Um, Gordon is at home, but they cut yards per carry by about mm, like 35%, um, which is the most in football. And they've been more neutral in t- rushing touchdowns per carry allowed, but I think you would trust more of the yards per carry factor as the driving force here for, for opposing running backs. So it's it's not a good matchup, and if you're just somebody looking to rely on Gordon more in a traditional league, he may be worse of a play for you. He's kind of more of a back-end RB2 this week. But in terms of DFS, I think it's being adjusted a little bit too much for the matchup this week, in particular because Philip Lindsay looks like he's going to miss this game. He didn't practice on Wednesday and is dealing with a turf toe injury that frequently takes multiple weeks to heal. And as such, we saw Gordon's workload explode in week two with him missing. In week one, Gordon saw a decent uh, carry share of 57.7%, but that boosted to 76% in week two, which was top five in football. So I think it's pretty safe to rely that Gordon is going to get a lot of touches. And even if he can't do a lot on the ground, he'll probably catch enough passes coming out of the backfield for what's likely to be a conservative offense to just get enough volume to, to boost his fantasy success, even if he doesn't have a lot of efficiency uh, against that tough Tampa defense. Uh, in terms of a little bit better of a defensive matchup, but kind of similar logic here, we have Miles Sanders. I have him as a $900 surplus at $6,400 in DraftKings, $400 surplus at $5,700 in FanDuel. He's at home against the Bengals. Uh, the Bengals are good for a number of reasons. One, they shift a lot of their opponents from the pass to the run. They're the 31st 
um, increaser of pass plays and the second increaser of run plays, increasing run plays by 12% per game. And they also boost yards per carry, touchdowns per carry, completion percentage for running backs, yards per target for running backs, and receiving touchdowns per target for running backs. They're top 10 in all of those uh, factors. Meanwhile, Sanders in his first game back in week two, had a 76.9% carry share, fourth among running backs. So we were waiting to see uh, kind of at the beginning of the season whether Sanders would kind of emerge as a bell cow type of workload back. And at least one week into his season so far, it looks like that's the case. And probably because he missed week one, I think his, his prices are lagging a little bit um, in the DFS platform. So I think that's a good player to take advantage of before the market catches up to him. Similar story here for Jonathan Taylor. Um, actually, this is really just more of a FanDuel situation where he's a $500 surplus. He's actually a negative surplus value for me in DraftKings. But in FanDuel, I like him a lot at just $6,700 this week at home against the Jets. I'm not really sure to say whether the Jets are specifically a good matchup or not. Last year, they were actually kind of an extreme um, matchup in favor of passing over rushing. But Taylor has unexpectedly ended up with a 65% carry share in week two. With Marlon Mack out, he's just kind of emerged as a bell cow type of back. And importantly, for fantasy perspective, two targets in week two, which boosts him up to eight for the season on pace for 64. Just for some context, James White had just 74 or 72 targets all last season. He's on a similar pace to what Dalvin Cook had, which was 53 targets in 14 games last season. So that just kind of gives you perspective that. I mean, it really wouldn't be that surprising for Taylor to end up as a top 10 running back this season, and he's not really being priced quite that way yet at 7000 or cheaper in both platforms. So take, take advantage while you can, in particular in FanDuel this week. Moving on to wide receiver, I think A.J. Green is another FanDuel-specific value, just $5,900 price tag, a $350 surplus value. Uh, clearly back to being the wide receiver one for the Bengals, 23.4% target share so far this season is 20th among all wide receivers, and it's 10% more than Tyler Boyd in second place on his team at just 13.8%. Green hasn't scored yet, but he has a 2.4 touchdown shortfall relative to his opportunity-adjusted receiving touchdowns. That's the most of any wide receiver and actually more than double any other wide receiver in the game right now. So the touchdowns are going to come. The workload is already there. Even though this is a difficult matchup on the road against the Eagles, who, while they've been struggling as a team in general, are a cutter of wide receiver one completion percentage and yards per target and touchdowns per target, especially with Darius Slay in the mix, I just think Green is going to volume his way to, to a good fantasy day, and as such makes it good sense in FanDuel for your lineups. Uh, another kind of top-flight wide receiver option for you that's actually a value in both formats, DK Metcalf, $200 surplus in DraftKings, 600 in FanDuel. Metcalf is more of a deeper receiver, could take advantage of the Cowboys matchup. They boost receiving touchdowns per target for deep receivers by 90, uh, 94%, top eight in football. So good matchup there. And then obviously Russell Wilson playing great, throwing the ball more than he ever has. Maybe it's probably an option for you to start a lot of the receivers for that game, but I like Metcalf in particular. If you're digging a little bit deeper, I think Traquan Smith is a really nice value in both platforms. $1,500 surplus at just $4,200 in DraftKings. A bit more expensive in FanDuel at $5,400, but I have him at a $900 surplus there. This was actually a big surprise to me, but in week two with Michael Thomas out, Traquan had an 18.9% target share that led the team and was more than 10% higher than Emmanuel Sanders at just 8.1%. So at least in the short term, with Thomas likely to miss another week, I think Smith may actually be the number one receiver here. 
So Green Bay, not necessarily the best of matchups, but they are a booster for yards per target and touchdowns per target for number one receivers specifically and deep receivers as well, which is really more what I would say Smith is kind of known for skill set wise. And if you're in a tournament looking for kind of a big play win there, I think Traquan is an option for you. And also, too, Michael Pittman, specifically in DraftKings at a $1,200 surplus, last week led the Colts with a 92% snap share compared to 81% for Zach Pascal and 58% for T.Y. Hilton. And now that Paris Campbell is going to miss some time, I think Pittman, the rookie, may end up being the effective wide receiver one for the team, more the possession-type receiver at his size than Hilton, the deep um, target. So I think Pittman could be a little bit of a value for the time being based on relative volume versus expectations. Now, the 49ers gashed the Jets on the ground last week. But again, as I mentioned, number two DVOA run defense last year versus number 20 DVOA pass defense. So it may be a situation where the the Colts will be able to take a little bit more advantage of the matchup through the air, and that could benefit Pittman in fantasy for you. Next up, we have Golden Tate, a good surplus value of 900 in DraftKings and 600 in FanDuel. Last season, Tate averaged 6.0 catches and 81 yards per game between weeks 6 and 10 when Sterling Shepard was sidelined, and he averaged just 3.2 receptions and 52 yards per game from weeks 12 to 17 when he played alongside Shepard. So it's not really a role-for-role replacement with Tate spending most of his time in the slot, but I still think not having Shepard is a big boost to Tate's likely target share, and as such, he gets the boost for me this week and ends up being a little bit of a value while I think the draft, uh, while the two DFS platforms probably catch up to that. At tight end, kind of sticking with that Colts theme, Mo Alley-Cox, $900 surplus in DraftKings at just $3,800, $500 surplus at $5,000 in FanDuel. And this is kind of banking on Jack Doyle seeming to miss a few more weeks. There hasn't really been a lot of news about exactly what's going on with him there, but last week with Ali Cox playing without Doyle, he broke out with five catches for 111 yards on six targets. And while I kind of got into in my waiver wire article about why that was a little bit of a mirage and some of those yards came when he just was being undefended, I still think he's a good fantasy value in the short term, playing 67% of the team's snaps last week and having the athleticism as a former basketball player. I think he's a good value. Um, And yeah, it's a good matchup against the Jets too. Booster of of completion percentage and yards per target and touchdowns per target a little bit for, for tight ends. And then I'll close this up with Drew Sample, tight end for the Cincinnati Bengals. Bigger value here in DraftKings is $600 surplus. FanDuel, it's a milder $250 surplus, but still a bit of a surplus. He actually ended up with seven catches for, 54, for 45 yards on nine targets last week, even though C.J. Uzoma started the game before he got injured. And combined, Uzoma and Sample have 1.86 opportunity-adjusted receiving touchdowns through two weeks this season, which is actually the most among tight ends. So it seems like Burrow is, is going to rely heavily on his tight ends and a more conservative offense, which he definitely should be doing, given how bad the pass protection is for him. And now that Uzoma is gone, it seems like Sample is clearly that guy. He played 54 snaps versus just seven for Kathan Carter, the third-string tight end. And just collectively, Sample and um, – Uzoma have 21 tight end targets so far through the first two weeks, which is tied for second most of all teams. Definitely like him here. And it's a good matchup against the Eagles this week as well. They're the number one booster of touchdowns per target for tight ends. So it could be another day with a more conservative offense benefiting sample and the the tight ends for the Bengals. 
Okay, that's going to do it for this week's episodes of the Football Outsiders Fantasy Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate us, and review us on your favorite podcast platforms. And then come back next Tuesday morning to get all of your waiver wire advice for week four. Thanks so much. Talk to you then. Mm -hmm.